this parable is trying to say is that not only is God inclusive in his invitation, not only is God accepting of all in the invitation, but that you have a responsibility to take it seriously and receive it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, where our goal is to help you grow in your faith. A strong faith is the foundation for every good thing in your life. It guides you through tough times, it encourages you every single day, and a strong faith will make good times even better because it is faith that brings life meaning. Your faith is the primary factor in growing emotionally strong. It gives you guidance in how to love the most important people in your life and avoid the most toxic people in your life. <laughs> so we are here to help you grow strong, powerful faith. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Well, welcome everybody. It's so good to be with you as we continue our series throughout the summer on the parables of Jesus. It's really quite amazing how you can just read a parable and it's so applicable to you personally, even mm. today, 2,000 years later, and how the insight of it is so uh it's almost Influential. like it's a living word. Yes, right? <laughs> living word. There you go. Hebrews chapter four. So we're very excited about doing this series and digging into them. And today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22. There is a synoptic passage, meaning a parallel passage in Luke chapter 14. 14. But we're going to read verses one through 14 because this is the parable of the great feast or the wedding feast. And so we're going to dig into that. And why don't we start off, Jesse, you read it and then okay. we'll start exegeting or digging into its meaning. Happily. So we're in Matthew 22, verse one. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared, prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent out other servants to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls have and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready come to the banquet but the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way one to his farm other two to another to his business others seized his messengers and, uh, and insulted them and killed them that's aggressive is that where the <laughs> don't kill the messenger uh thing comes from uh verse seven the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town and he said to the servants the wedding feast is ready and the guests i invited aren't worthy of the honor now go to the street corners and invite everyone you see so the servants brought in everyone they could find good and bad alike and the banquet's hall was filled with guests but when the king came in to meet the guests he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding friend he asked how is it that you are here without wedding clothes but the man had no reply then the king said to his aides bind his hands and feet and throw him in the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen okay there's quite a bit here i was gonna say this is a very whirlwind roller coaster of a parable <laughs> yeah well the story is basically you know a king not just anybody but a king is like wow there is going to my son my getting is getting married and this is a big deal right and everybody in the kingdom all, especially all the important people are invited so he goes out he prepares for the feast and then not only do they ignore the invitation then when he says it's time they don't show up mm. so it's a double insult 
And so what happens, I think, is really interesting is who does this represent? Now, remember, Matthew is writing this gospel, right? And he wrote his gospel to convince who? The Jewish Jews people, yes. That Jesus was the Messiah. Messiah. And so this first group of people Jesus is referring to is the Jewish nation. It's the Israelites. He's subtly slash not so subtly. Yeah, especially when you get to that point, you know, that they he sent messengers and they killed them. And insulted <laughs> yeah. them and killed them. Yeah, insulted, mistreated, and then killed them. And so the, who were the, the messengers in the Old Testament? It was the prophets, right? right, were sent. And so this is really kind of a significant point. So what does he do? The king is angry and in judgment, he goes and he destroys the murderers and burns their cities with fire. Wow. And of course, that's what happened in the Old Testament to the Israelite nation, right? Right. They were completely destroyed. So that, but what's interesting is Jesus then adds to the story a little bit by saying, he tells the servants, go and invite anybody. Okay. Go to the main highways. And as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Mm. So these people, according to Matthew, I think, and what Jesus is attempting to do is say, these are the Gentiles. So the invitation of Christ into the kingdom is for everyone. And you remember last week we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan, and there was no barriers to the gospel, right? right. Ethnic, social, or whatever barriers. So now we have this... Uh, a servant, this king sending servants out to the highways and byways to bring anybody in. So there's no, uh, are you a part of the kingdom? Are you already in? Do you understand? Well, None my, of that. My translation even says the good and bad alike. So yeah. I mean, the good and it, bad alike, there's, everybody. There's no discernment. Right? There's no discernment. So it's an invitation open to all. So that's obviously the Gentiles. They have all been invited to come to the wedding feast. Now, what's really interesting is this. He says, number one, the dinner hall is filled. So all of these people come and accept the invitation. But when the king came in, he sees a man not dressed in wedding clothes. Now, in this culture, you're like, well, so, you know, but that's not his so point. So he's not wearing his, his suit or a formal yeah. gown. <laughs> well, it, it, it's not the quality of the cut, so to speak. What the point is, is that he made no effort to show the respect for the invitation, right? Okay. It's like, there's, it doesn't matter how nice your clothes are. You know, he invited everybody. Yeah, we invited everybody. You could have at least washed the clothes or you could have. His point is, is that you made zero effort to take responsibility for the quality of the invitation that mm. you got. And so the man was speechless. He didn't know, or he didn't expect that. But the king turns to the servant and says, tie him up and throw him out, hand and foot. And then he says, don't just throw him out into the outer darkness. And in that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Mm. People are like, okay, that's a dark turn to the I wedding feast. I was going to say, that was, this has got some like uh, <laughs> very dark vibes going on. Well, I think some principles here that we need to understand is that number one, the first group is the Jews. The second group is that he invited is the, the Gentiles. And the point of the person being kicked out is that God is not a universalist. Okay. And the whole note, we, we'll talk about this for the one on Thursday and what that basically means. And that is, is that God invites everybody, but you have a personal responsibility to accept 
the invitation, right? Right. And so God is inviting you, but he's not violating your free will. He's not denigrating by taking your free will away from you. What he's doing is he's saying, I'm inviting. Now you need to take the responsibility to honor what you're being invited to. And this is some of the meanings, like in the Old Testament it says, do you really want to begin the path of wisdom? Then fear God. And the point is, is that you need to have a healthy respect for what you're talking about. I remember a while back, a friend of mine was teaching me how to work with electricity. He's an electrician. And he goes, the number one rule to remember in working with electricity is be afraid. Mm. (laughs) He goes, you need a healthy respect because you touch the wrong thing when it's on and it can kill you. Yeah. So be, be fearful of what it can do. And he goes that, that way you'll always be what? careful careful right we we learned the same thing when i was uh doing theater production anytime mm-hmm. you do rigging above the head or you're doing motors and stuff you do safety calls it's and you're being very intentional you tie your clothing back all of that stuff because a lot of that stuff wrong thing gets caught in the wrong thing or somebody didn't yeah. quite put it on right and you start lifting it up over somebody's head you're now responsible if somebody dies it goes because wrong. it falls and, and hits them so it's it's not that you should never do it but you need to have a healthy respect for the responsibility of you are now in charge of these things. Right? And that's what the gospel is all about, is that what we're dealing with here is that we're not talking about how to have a good time on a Saturday afternoon. You know, there's no barbecue recipes or smoked meat recipes in the Bible. There isn't because it's not, it doesn't tell you how uh, to enjoy a concert. It doesn't talk about that. There, there's no little phrase or statement in the Bible about how to get the most out of a lemonade. There is none of that stuff in the Bible. All it talks about is life and death and your soul. So we're dealing with some pretty heady things. We're dealing with really foundational perspectives about what does it mean to be a human being? What does the what is the point and purpose of life? Mm. Is is there a god or not? Why isn't god more loud or boisterous or revealing himself? Why, why is that? Why do I have to figure it out on my own? That doesn't seem to be fair. Why, why is it that people can be incredibly awesome and wonderful and altruistic, right? And loving. And then the same people can be cruel and mean and 98.9% of all evil comes from the heart of human beings, Mm. people doing wicked and mean and divisive things with others. And what's interesting is that the people who had the opportunity to take this seriously beyond belief, right, was a Jewish nation. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 12 and you read about the blessing of Abraham, he says, I will bless you to be a blessing to all the nations. And what because you are a chosen people. And this is what's fascinating is in the blessing of Abraham in the Old Testament, it was, I'm seeing you as a conduit to all these people. Well, it didn't take long for the Jewish people then to turn that into exclusivity. We're the only people. Yeah, yeah. I'm the chosen one. We're the only people. And you have to do what we say or you can't be a part. This exclusivity, and I'm not saying this is good or I'm not saying this is right, but I'm just saying when you go back and study history, the reason why Jews have been persecuted more than anything else, because you go back and you go, how is it that's transcending centuries? Why are people always picking on the Jews? Right. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter what 
country or nation or language. All, everybody just takes Always their wants turn. to pick on them. Yeah. And and there, I was reading about an anthropologist who was studying it, and he says, well, the nature of their faith is exclusive based on ethnic reasons, and they tell everybody else you cannot be a part. So, so what's really fascinating is now I'm not saying that that it's good to persecute Jewish people ever, and I'm not no. trying to say they deserved it. No. I'm just saying though the nature of how they approached this and took this promise of being a blessing instead of saying God wants to move through us to bless you, they said God chose us and not you, mm. and so that created an antagonistic relationship with people right right off the bat, and so I think that that that. That's what this cultural anthropologist was uh, postulating. And I think there's some veracity to that. And that's what we see Jesus even mentioning. He says, look, you didn't take what you were set aside to do seriously. The king has a banquet for his son. This is serious stuff. And then you reject it. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, you not only reject the invitation, you torture and kill the messengers. Which, I mean, you could also fast forward that to also be applying to jesus right like mm -hmm. jesus came he was the messenger and you literally insult and kills the messenger and god was trying to tell you hey i'm doing something new and something great and you did this right so mm -hmm. it's like he's he could also be a little foretelling right of of future events in, in many ways i think that is true because this is towards the end of the gospel of matthew and now it's really interesting is that when you read the gospel of matthew uh a lot of scholars talk about the it's 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 uh, uh what's the actual i can't think of the technical term for it but it's basically a mountain okay okay and so in the center of in the center of the book is peter's confession of faith Right. Okay. Which is you are the Messiah, the son of the, that's so the climax of that's the, the climax, okay. right? Is there is Peter's confession of faith in the statement that Jesus is the son of God, the Messiah. Right. Right. And so what happens is you climb the mountain with all of these events in, in theater. We call that the rising action of the yeah. script. So, so you're, you did. And then on the downward side, they match. Okay. Isn't that interesting? So it's a symmetrical rising and falling action. Yeah. So you okay. have a, in, in chapters five, six, and seven, right? You have the longest message of Jesus recorded in the Bible Sermon called on the, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. And he talks about, you've heard that it was said, and he starts off all about, you know, can you fulfill the law? No, that's his point. And yet he talks then about how to pray and, and seek first the kingdom of God and that the kingdom of God is at hand and how you get into the kingdom of God. And then at the very end, he says, heed my words. You'll be like a man who built his house upon the rock and not upon the sand. Right mm, yes. now, now the, what you do is you go through the apex and then you come all the way back down on the other side. And what do you have here in these chapters that you're in the last week of Jesus's life and you have some parables here. And then in Matthew 25, you have three really big parables about the end times. Mm -hmm. So it's, so you see that what he's doing is in the sermon on the Mount, he's laying on, how do you enter the kingdom of heaven? And then on this side, he's talking about judgment of those who reject the kingdom. Okay. See, so yes. it's kind of the mirror there. Yes. Now, uh, unless you really, uh, go to seminary and study that a lot, you'd probably never know that. Nope. But now you do because you get that stuff on the salty pastor, salty pastor, <laughs> giving you seminary level <laughs> analytics. Yeah. And I think that that's really powerful to understand is that this parable is trying to say is that 
not only is God inclusive in his invitation, not only is God accepting of all in the invitation, but that you have a responsibility to take it seriously and receive it. Well, and I think, yeah, it's the idea that you, and I mean, you got to do that in your faith as well, right? Like yes. there are people, we talked about this when we were talking about the four soils that will receive the gospel and then the world will kind of get to them and it, they just sort of fall away from it. And I think that could also be applicable to in this kind of scenario where it's like, oh yeah, I love this invitation. Then I, you kind of show up and you're not doing anything to like respect the thing that you decided to do. You dedicated Correct. your life to Jesus, but you're like, I dedicate my life to Jesus, but I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing beforehand there's, it's a very similar vibe, right? Like that's yes. a very similar thing of like, no, that doesn't really fly. You're not going to, <laughs> I mean, Jesus also does the, when he's talking about the sorting of the sheep, I never knew you things of those nature. Right. Um, and so it's like having that idea of don't, don't be the one that rejects him outright, but also don't be the one that accepts the invitation, but doesn't take it seriously for what it is. And I think there's some of that going around these days. I, well, I agree with that. I think that there is a tremendous uh, cavalier attitude attitude towards faith. And I think it's really prevalent. Uh, I was just reading a study in the generations of people that attended church, right? Mm. And, of course, the builder generation, upwards of 70% of the people uh, – attended church and then you look at the baby boomer generation is and that it's what the generation before baby boomers is is called the builder generation yeah, uh, well uh, some people call it the greatest generation that ever lived you know kind of a thing seems but, a little egocentric but sure let's go with that <laughs> well they were they didn't give themselves that oh, title okay. you know somebody else but did the builder generation okay yeah but you know the up to that point up prior to world war Two, the nation was has really been booming. built and booming. Right. And when you look back at history, a lot of people believe that even today we're still living off of the what they what they built, okay. accomplished. We're still living off of that. And so, now I don't think that that is an an axiomatic truth, meaning that it actually because there's been a number of things that Americans have developed, the internet, for instance, right. that have created new economies, but. But that is actually more of an exception than the rule. Right. Where back during that period of time, the builders were building everything. Right. I mean, all industry across the board. Industry, yeah. all of that. Po politics, economics, okay. infrastructure, machines, everything across right. the board. E agricultural systems and so forth. So, but the builders is between seventy and eighty percent went to church, and then you look at the boomers, and it was like forty something percent. <laughs> And then you look at millennials and it's down to 30%. And then you get down now to Gen Z, it's like are 18%. They, they have studies on that? Yeah, they okay. just have a little bit of a study on it. I, I have a little thing that I could pop up real quick I, if you'd I, like. I, I trust you. I was just, I, I, I know that there's some polling on Gen Z that's, they're not, they don't have a lot of data on it because a lot of them are not quite at the age where they're like, okay, we can yeah. get reliable results out of them. But yeah, I think, I think it's so interesting that we there's there's this terminology that i had to learn when i very first started on staff here which is the worship experience right <laughs> yeah and it's it's no longer a worship service it is the experience and i think while that does appeal to millennials because the millennials are very known for like we're less worried about things we're more worried about let's go have a cool experience let's have a great meal things of those nature right but i do wonder if that is 
poorly influencing our faith because that is no longer a, you are doing a hard work of building your faith. You want to go have a faith experience yeah. and that allows you to, uh, it's very from point to point, right? That's why mm-hmm. like we see these big concerts that have so many people that are giving their lives to Jesus, but then you're not seeing churches swell in the area that that concert had it. They're just, they, you don't see that, right? Like right. otherwise everyone would be doing it all the time. If they were seeing consistent growth in every church around it, they would be like, yeah, let's do big worship experiences all the time. And it may have worked the first couple of times, but now I think it's, you have an experience, but then there's no commitment past that experience. It's an emotional. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely an issue there that I think is, that is like the whole point of faith is to take it seriously and to grow and mature and walk in your you new gotta identity. Work, you got to work the journey. You got to do the it's, work. It's a not journey, not an yeah. experience. Yeah, and like, like you, uh, we've said many times in the introduction is that, you know, it's your journey and you got to take it, mm. you know? And so the, the actual, uh, the, the actual stat, the things is the greatest generation is people before, born before 1928 okay, and 56, not 70% of them attended church. Then the silent generation was born between 28 and 45. Okay. That's what they called them. And that's kind of a Is little all mimes. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> but 44% of them went to church. Then the boomer generation, only 32%. All right. And then the gen X in, in, uh, uh, millennials, were 32 or 27 and then now down people born after 81 only 18 percent and I, I think the point of that is is that you know the beginning of this parable says the king invited them but what does it say they were too busy with their own thing mm. they were just too busy doing it. so they didn't take the invitation seriously and what ends up happening is that they are judged for that. And so I have to say this as a salty pastor over and over again, we must take hell and judgment seriously because the person who talked about it more than anybody else in the Bible was Jesus. And he was serious about it. And he talked often. And here you see it. He says, again, he says, not only for those of you who didn't take the invitation seriously, the king went out and did what? He murdered burned and them. Burned and, it. Yeah. Burn their cities with fire. You're like, Oh my goodness. And then what happened to the guy who didn't take the invitation seriously after he showed up and, and try to show respect, he didn't respect it. And so he was cast out. Right. And so I think that that's a significant point of this parable. Yeah. I think just having, having that as the forethought of this is not just a casual thing, you know? Right. And I think I do worry and maybe, I don't know what you're going to be talking about on Thursday when we, we break this down, but I think this idea of just, you know, throwing people into a baptismal pool or people that are just accepting Jesus without any real understanding of, are you sure you're ready to start this journey? This is not something you get to just like nope out on halfway Correct. through. Right. Correct. And I think making sure, you know, that it, it, we love the idea of like, let's baptize everyone, but we need to prepare them for what they're actually committing to right like not just throwing people and dunking them underwater just to to have a number that talked about that you got to count the cost yeah you can't just convince people to do it just to get your numbers up or you can't just convince someone because it sounds like a good idea they are committing to a lifelong journey journey 
And Amen so that. I think making sure we are aware of that as we move forward. But I, do you have any other thoughts on this? Or No, or? I, yeah, I think this is a great place to kind of wrap up. And I just want everybody to understand is that Jesus invites everybody, but we need to take the invitation seriously. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Make sure you guys are subscribed on the new Salty Pastor YouTube channel so that you don't miss out when we switch over at the end of July to only releasing videos on that channel so that both channels have more room to breathe with all the amazing content and messages coming out on both channels. We want to make sure that they both have space and you can uh, have the best experience possible. So make sure you do that. Otherwise, we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings.